Hello, and welcome to episode 82 of the Dayson Digest podcast. I am Jeanette Bouchard, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dayson, and I am joined by Libby Dodds-Ashley, who is also a clinical pharmacist liaison with Dayson. Hey, Jeanette. We are here today to discuss a very interesting article that actually was just published in the Antimicrobial Stewardship and Healthcare Epidemiology Journal, or ASHI, for those who know the shortcut name. It is titled, Clinical Decision Support for Gastrointestinal Panel Testing. And so this is by Nadia Safe and colleagues at the VA in Maryland. One of the reasons why we wanted to discuss this is because I feel like every single time I'm at a site, we come up with some sort of discussion around the gastrointestinal panel or the GI panel or around C. diff. Um, and so this article does a nice job of kind of encompassing a lot of the things that we may talk about at our different sites. I agree, Jeanette. This is so common. And I think that this really nice, simple intervention describes honestly what we talk about doing at many of our sites. So hopefully those listening will really see that this is a practical application of something they're working through themselves. Yes. Yeah. So this study aimed to assess the impact of a clinical decision support to improve the ordering of multiplex gastrointestinal PCR testing panel or the GI panel, as we call it. This was a single center retrospective pre-post study at a VA medical center in Maryland, a little bit different of a population than we're used to at Dayson, because obviously the VA is going to be mostly older males and things like that. But still, I think a lot of what they saw here is applicable. And we'll tie in a couple of other articles that have been published in the past couple of years that we can align more of our Dayson numbers with. So they looked at patients who were tested with a GI panel between June 22nd, 2022 and April 20th. And what they did is they designed a clinical decision support questionnaire in the EMR, the electronic medical record, to guide appropriate ordering of the GI panel. So I've seen this done at a few days on hospitals, not necessarily within the EMR, but I know at one of our sites we have a questionnaire that nurses will fill out for C. diff testing as well as a questionnaire that lab goes through when they receive different stool testing for GI panels or C. diff testing. So they were able to actually put it in the electronic medical record here, which I think um, is great and a little bit easier to have it at the end user ordering perspective rather than have it be some sort of paper trail. Now, this was a soft stop. So the difference between a soft stop and a hard stop would be that a soft stop allows a provider to progress through, even though they may or may not answer the questionnaire correctly. So they're able to continue to progress through and order the GI panel, even if they answer the questions not appropriately. So this is different from a hard stop, which they wouldn't be able to proceed through unless they called someone or had someone else involved. What's interesting about the questionnaire that they used is they did have an option to call if they didn't uh, meet any of the criteria. However, it was a soft stop, so they were able to progress through without calling the diagnostic stewardship team. Yeah. And I think this is interesting. And I recognize that having the diagnostic stewardship team is not something all of our sites are resourced for, but, but I do think that was a nice option. And as you mentioned, they never refused a test outright through the clinical decision support tool. You always could get through to ordering the test, but they did have robust capacity on the back end to cancel tests. And I'm sure you're going to discuss this, but including even coexisting C. difficile testing orders to be sure we don't have that duplicative order issue, which is so common when we start implementing these GI panels in our hospitals. 
Yes, definitely. It's definitely something that we've talked about a lot. And I think a stressor on a lot of the labs is going through and getting rid of those duplicative tests. So we will definitely touch on that. I do want to point out the different questions on the questionnaire. So the five appropriateness criteria, as they called it, were documented diarrhea, no uh, recent receipt of laxatives, C. difficile is not the leading suspected cause of diarrhea, time period since a prior test is greater than 14 days or prior positive test is greater than four weeks, and then duration of hospitalization is less than 72 hours, which I think a lot of these criteria are pretty well documented um, and discussed in prior articles that the GI panel really doesn't have any utility over 72 hours. And if your diarrhea is due to something else, such as laxatives or tube feeds, you want to get rid of some of those confounding factors before you go through and use something like the GI panel, which is expensive and probably will not yield anything. Yeah. You know, something else interesting about this is that they apply this clinical decision support across the continuum of care. Most of the work I've done with DACE on sites is they somewhat allow use of the GI panel in the community setting unrestricted, but then have the restrictions once the patient is hospitalized. And I found it interesting that they really also tried to get at that laxative use, making sure you truly had diarrhea, even in patients who are ambulatory. So a really neat, neat approach to how they tried to steward this test. Yeah, it was interesting that they had both inpatient and outpatient aspects to this. So what they found when they looked at this pre-post study was most of their patients who were ordered a GI panel were male, which we know is going to happen in a VA study. And the mean age is about 60 years old. So a little bit of an older population. And they saw 228 GI panel orders were completed. And in the pre-questionnaire period, which was about June to November of 2022, 136 orders were completed um, and about 18% positivity rate for any pathogen. And then in the post-questionnaire period, which was about November to April, 2023, 92 orders were completed with about a 23 or 25% positivity rate. They found most of the pathogens were C. difficile with norovirus being the second most positive, which I think is pretty consistent with what most people see on a GI panel. I think if you're using C. diff on the GI panel, um, that's what's going to come up the most. And then norovirus, depending on the season, is going to be your second most common. Um, it also depends on your population, but norovirus is normally up to towards the top there. So they did have inpatient and outpatients. They had about 52% of the orders were an outpatient setting, and then 30% of the orders were inpatient. So a little bit of a difference than what we would see in our DASON sites in that a lot of these were outpatient, which makes the questionnaire all that more interesting, like Libby just said, <clears throat> because it's, it includes a lot of different criteria that would also be applicable to the outpatient, like the laxatives. You know, Jeanette, I think that one thing I found interesting in their results is they did look at appropriateness of testing and they had differences based on the location where the test was ordered. And I think this is something we really hone in on and try to focus on in our days on sites where the highest rates of inappropriate testing were actually in their emergency department, where they found that 83% of the tests that were ordered with this GI panel were inappropriate. Um, and then followed by inpatient, where 65% of the tests were inappropriate. And this is something that when we've worked with sites, we've really tried to push people away from those locations ordering this test a lot. And I think these data just reinforce that fact that this is probably a test best in the hands of GI docs in the community where we're likely to identify some of these path pathogens and not in our hospitalized patients or patients sort of coming into the hospital. 
Yes. And another thing I found interesting was their most common inappropriate ordering practice was concomitant C. difficile PCR ordering, which you had mentioned earlier. And I think kind of goes along with the inappropriate testing in the emergency department and then as well on the inpatient side is they kind of order both at the same time or they'll order one um, and then the other and really focusing on when to order one versus the other and when C. difficile testing is probably the preferred. If there's recent antibiotic exposure, if there's any sort of PPI or older age or things that you would think that maybe C. difficile is the suspected <laughs> infectious agent rather than one of our community acquired like salmonella or E. coli, things like that. And I think other papers have also looked at differentiating what chronic diarrhea is versus acute diarrhea to also help figure out the appropriateness of a GI panel testing in that manner. Other reasons for inappropriate testing they also saw were um, laxatives and stool softeners, which I think is just the bane of most stewards, as well as most pharmacist existence, where we're just constantly trying to chase those laxative and stool softeners because they're always on an inpatient order set. And so these patients get put on laxative and stool softeners, and then they have diarrhea and they get tested for a GI panel. So it wasn't super surprising to see that that was one of the reasons and to see that also go down um, with the questionnaire because it brings it to the attention. And that's something I think a lot of uh, hospitals do practice is getting some sort of EMR or a hard print questionnaire to ask that question about stool softeners or laxative. And I, it's pretty consistent across most C. diff panels as well. Yeah. And I, I did find it interesting though, and just to, I like that they shared this result. You know, they talked about the proportion of inappropriate tests before and after they implemented this and the percentage didn't really change, right? The absolute number went down. So we believe that some inappropriate tests were avoided. Um, but still in the end, we, we just didn't see a change in the proportion of tests that were inappropriate before and after implementing this. Again, save numbers, which saves costs, which probably saves inappropriate procedures in the long run. So very important intervention nonetheless, but an interesting finding, I thought. Yes, very interesting. And also they had lower numbers. And so it would be interesting to see a, a study with a larger number, which I believe they do mention that there is a study with a larger number from O'Neill and colleagues out of South Carolina um, that saw that you looked at 442 GI panels. So a little bit more than this study. And, and it was in a academic hospital in a community setting. And so a little bit more consistent with what our Dason hospitals might be at. And so they actually saw a higher inappropriate rate of testing from the from baseline. And so they had about 61% of their 442 GI panels that were deemed inappropriate. And a lot of them very similar to what we saw in this study, which is duplicative C. diff testing and, and then laxative and stool softener use were, were their big top ones. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, this shows that hospitals aren't alone. I think that at least in my experience, when I've talked to DASON sites about limiting these after 72 hours inpatients, et cetera, they, the individual hospitals don't necessarily feel comfortable making those restrictions, but I think this just helps provide some evidence that this is a great, simple interaction that you can do. You can decrease that burden of testing, which has such positive downstream effects. You're not going to inappropriately treat. You're not going to end up with an unanticipated hospital onset C. diff that you weren't trying to test for, and uh, you're not going to waste the time of your laboratory personnel, most importantly, or tie up that precious instrument in the lab and keep it from running a different assay that you might need to decide on a patient if it's the, bl the blood culture or maybe even a meningitis panel. So 
this is a great way to help prioritize that resource, which I know is something that most of our hospitals struggle with when they get these technologies in. Yeah. And it can be very costly to be just running these when they're not really necessary or they're going to have a low yield. There was an ID week abstract a couple of years ago from Nick Bennett and his group, and they saw like $130,000 cost savings by just doing a hard stop for their panels if the patient has been hospitalized for greater than 72 hours. And so just by doing that one measure, they were able to have a 50% reduction in their GI panel ordering and have a pretty significant cost savings there just from a very simple intervention of doing a hard stop. The hard stop versus the soft stop, coming back to the lack of change in inappropriate testing, I think probably had something to do with it. So they ordering did decrease, but for both inappropriate and appropriate testing methodologies. And so maybe if they had more of a hard stop for some of those criteria in patient, they might have seen a little bit more of a difference. The fact that people providers could just go through and answer the questions and their patient did not meet criteria and they could still go through and order the test anyways. Um, when providers are working fast, especially those ED providers or those inpatient providers, when they have a large patient load, I could definitely see them just flying through and answering the questions and ordering it anyways, without really thinking through the questions. Yeah, absolutely. You do worry about truly taking the time to answer those questions and all the alert fatigue and question fatigue that we hear about in our EHR-based interventions especially when it's five questions. I could definitely see by the fifth question being a little bit <laughs> fatigued by the end of it. And so maybe doing one or two questions like Nick Bennett and his group did, where it's just 72 hours and we do a hard stop and not really um, go anything past that or stool softeners. And there's some sort of consideration there. I don't know what their EMR system was for this. A VA has a pretty archaic EMR system though. I think they're slowly upgrading, but I think one of the biggest problems we have in the DASON network is for those who aren't on Epic, how do we get more of these advanced clinical decision support technologies and where do we go from there? And I think that's why some of my sites end up having to do like a paper questionnaire because technology within Epic is not really consistent across Meditech or Cerner. And so how do we work with our IT to create something similar to this um, that we can implement and have it at the end user rather than have a paper trail. Absolutely. And I think it also highlights, you know, just because they had that very manual step when if the C. difficile was still the primary concern or they had a concomitant order for C. diff testing, they would halt the GI panel and or cancel the C. diff testing. It's clear that this is still a burden on the microbiology laboratory. It didn't take that testing uh, decision tree away from the frontline microbiology staff. And I think that's important to note too. This is not a universal fix-all, because I know that when we've talked to sites, they're very worried about that work burden, depending on the time of day that orders received, especially. So if there's any way we can work with our IT to figure out if there's some sort of front-end <laughs> solution, rather than having the micro on the back-end be the ones to look through the chart and cancel the order, they do have a different system a lot of the time than whatever the EMR is. And so it sometimes takes a lot of work for them to look up the patient see if they've ordered something before or see what the actual problem is and then cancel the order. So trying to streamline that approach as much as possible um, is great. And so sharing ideas of if institutions have figured out how to do that on certain <clears throat> electronic medical records is important. I do also want to bring up that abstract again um, with Nick Bennett because they had an, an interesting intervention as well on top of the hard stop. So uh, another issue, and I, they touched on it in the VA study, which is appropriate versus inappropriate antibiotic use with these testing results. And so a lot of times 
providers don't really know what to do with all of these results. There's this slew of organisms that show up um, with the VA study specifically. They actually just did not show the results for specific organisms that were not applicable to their patient populations. And so handling the results in that manner can help reduce antibiotic treatment of things that don't necessarily need to be treated with antibiotics. Um, but what Nick Bennett and colleagues did is they actually put the recommendation in the comment of the test results in their system. Um, and so if something came up, it positive, then the comment would show up and say, supportive care only, or this is our recommended antimicrobial, um, or treatment only recommended in immunocompromised populations. And so that is an area, um, if you cannot get around hiding the specific organism results that you don't want people to necessarily know about or treat, then um, that is another area where you can put guidelines at the end user rather than having them click and go find the guideline. I thought that was very interesting because this is a stewardship podcast and they touched on inappropriate versus appropriate antimicrobials in this VA paper. Yeah, these are all great ideas. And I hope that our listeners really take away that you're not alone if you're struggling with how to use your GI panel for testing. And there are lots of great options out there. You know, like you said, we have people doing paper forms here, or some examples of electronic forms, but putting this work in certainly helps for us to decrease the testing and, and hopefully in the end, optimize the care for the patient. So I think these are all great examples of ways that we can help steward these tests. Yeah. And so I would encourage our sites, if you are struggling with GI panel appropriateness at your site, to take a look at the three papers that we mentioned. So the first being the, the VA study that just came out in ASHI, and then the one from O'Neill and colleagues that kind of looks at just overall inappropriateness of testing and the reasons why that might be happening in a more community setting. And then the abstract from ID Week from Bennett and colleagues, which is available on OFID. So just kind of a couple of different papers to take a look and see if maybe implementation of one of these uh, clinical decision support or maybe just even looking at your GI panel ordering status would be appropriate for your site. So Thank you all for listening to the Dayson Digest podcast, and we will be back with another episode in the next two weeks. Thank you.